everybody. Welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick. Coming up in this episode, we're going bounty hunting and getting into a vicious, heated debate about vegetables. So these folks are running, and you've got to catch them. And oftentimes, it does turn out to that, hiding in the bushes, sitting outside their house at 6 in the morning, waiting for them to come out to their car. But to, in 2020, to be able to get within arm's reach of someone who doesn't want to be found is a difficult job. We had a guy in his house. I was in there, and he had barricaded himself in his bathroom. And I was walking down the hallway. I'll go anywhere. But I walked down the hallway, and as I put my hand on the doorknob to the bedroom door that was closed, the TV was playing inside. I put my hand on the doorknob. I thought, you know what? This is bad. This is bad. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that we're obsessed with interesting jobs. Jobs that you know about, but you really don't know what that person's life is like. Bounty Hunter is at the top of that list, right? And our first guest is one of the best out there. We're only going with first names. So this is John the Bounty Hunter. And he has some really fascinating insight into what exactly his life is like, but also the stories about how he catches people. They're just amazing. Is this something that you always wanted to do or was this something that you kind of ended up doing? You know, I, I never even knew it was a real job until I was actually doing it. You know, I'm, I was doing some personal security for some families in the Atlanta area. And one of them knew a bondsman that said, Hey man, I, uh, I know this guy. He needs some bail recovery done for him. You should go talk to him. And I went, I talked to the bondsman. I took this like bondsman class, the state of Georgia to become a certified bondsman. And halfway through the guy recruited me and I had a job the next day. It was really weird and random. I never even considered it until I was doing it. I was like, well, I'll just look into it. And all of a sudden I had a job. You know, I've done a lot of different things. I've got, I've done paramedic work. I've done a lot of personal security stuff and things in that field. And I worked in the mental health field for many years before uh, any of that. So it was a, uh, it was kind of like being thrown into it, but I, you know, I haven't looked back. What was that first day like? Oh, I didn't know what I was doing at all. If I caught you early on, it was uh, you had to be pretty dumb and and not careful because I had no skip tracing capabilities. I had no real investigative skills. So I was just going around making phone calls, going to people's houses and knocking on doors. And for me to catch you early on, you had to like pretty much be mowing your lawn, standing out there for me to see you and come up and and get you in the car. It was uh, it was pretty wild. I mean, I got it done. But it was certainly uh, – there was way more to it than I had anticipated. So, I mean, when somebody hears about a, a bounty hunter, right? Like I'm imagining hiding in the bushes, jumping over cars, chasing down criminals, that kind of stuff. Is that what it's um, like or is that something – It can be. I mean it, it, it can be that. It's like hide and seek when you're a kid, you know? You know, these folks have skipped out on court. You know, a bondsman has gotten them out of jail. And they didn't go to court, so now the bondsman wants to put them back so they can get their surety back from the court. So these folks are running, 
and you've got to catch them. And oftentimes it does turn out to that hiding in the bushes, sitting outside their house at six in the morning, waiting for them to come out to their car, you know, going to the grocery store where you think they might be or an informant tells you, oh, he's going to be here at this football game at this time. So it does have that sneaky element to it. And it does go dynamic once in a while. You know, there's foot chases and all that kind of stuff. But the way I handle it, I, I try to avoid that kind of exposure to that kind of like running around tackling people and everything else and try to keep that part to a minimum. But it is certainly part of the job. So from a legal standpoint, like I've always, wait, how, how is this, can you do that? Like how, what's the, yeah. what's the kind of like, <laughs> that's the, that's, that's the, a great question. And Yes, I can. And the reason why I can, because I'm not a police officer. I am not law enforcement. I'm not post certified or anything like that. I'm a bail bondsman. So the reason why I can is our defendants, when they bond out of jail with the bonding company, they sign a release of information and a right to privacy and they waive their Fourth Amendment and their Fair Debt Collections Practices Act and all that stuff. They waive that. So they give us permission to go catch them, to put them back in jail. So can I arrest someone I see shoplifting that's not a defendant? No, I'm just a citizen. But if you have skipped bond on the comp- one of the companies I work for, I can come pick you up, put you in handcuffs, and take you to jail. When that happens, is it the authority specifically given to you? Or could potentially anybody see somebody that skipped bail and like, I could grab this person and take them in? No, you can't. That'd be kidnapping. Okay, okay. <laughs> it's like false imprisonment. <laughs> Although a lot of that question gets asked quite a bit, uh, co-signers or family members who are kind of tired of their loved one who's running on bond and they want to turn them in themselves. They're like, can I just tackle him and put him in my trunk and bring him down? They're like, no, you can't do that. Uh, we'll have our bail recovery folks do it. So – Every county that we work in here in Georgia that we turn into the jail, we go through a process with the sheriff, an application, usually an interview process with them. They give us approval to do that. So for a citizen to just go grab someone who's, who knows that they have a, a active bench warrant, that's illegal. You know, But for us, it's totally fine. Now, do you work for the bond companies directly or do you contract out? We are contracted for, I think, uh, about 12, 13 different bonding companies spread out over about eight, nine counties here in Georgia. So we're true mercenary contractors. When someone misses court, they send us the file. We're not in-house for anyone. There are some bondsmen who keep in-house bounty hunters, bail recovery agents, but it's kind of few and far between. The bondsmen tend to like to have contractors because it does kind of create uh, a firewall against liability. You know, they're like, hey, they're just contractors. They're not my people in case something goes terribly wrong. So um, mostly contractors doing this job. But there's not that many of us. I would say full-time in the state of Georgia, full-time making money, I would say there's probably seven or eight, and that's it. Really? In the whole state? Yeah, that are successful full-time bail recovery bounty hunters. It's just, it's a hard job. It's very difficult. Uh, you're trying to find someone who doesn't want to get got. And uh, the bondsman won't hire a lot of people because they're afraid of the liability of it. You know, you're trying not to get sued. You're trying to catch these folks and not get hurt or hurt them. And you've got to be able to walk that line of working with local law enforcement and attorneys and local courts. So it's, it's certainly not for everyone. It's not a job that you're like, hey, man, I'm a tough guy. I could wrestle. I'll, I'll go 
put people in jail. It's not like that at all. And so the people who are good at it, you know, are, are very few and far between. Is that like a, a company's not going to, they're not going to call you and say, Hey, this guy's bond is a hundred bucks. Go get him. Does it have to hit like a certain amount? Um, it doesn't have to hit a certain amount because I have a minimum. You know, if you normally when we make 10 to 20% of a total bond, someone jumps out on a $10,000 bond, we're going to make a thousand dollars on it. 20 or 2000 if they go out of state plus my expenses. But if someone's got a $700 bond, it's going to cost the bondsman almost that much just for me to go after them. But to pay off 500 bucks is certainly less than 700 and the bondsman realized that. Um, it doesn't mean they're any easier. Oftentimes, those minimum bonds are just as difficult as a $100,000 bond. It'd be, it'd, it'd be hard to justify uh, the exposure and the difficulty of the job for just like 50 bucks, man. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine so. Like, it's just... We don't want to deal with this necessarily. I, yeah, absolutely. I, I used to just directly ask people this question, but now I kind of phrase it a little bit differently. Are you are you closer to ramen noodles or closer to mansions? Uh, <laughs> um, closer to mansions, I would say. Okay. It's uh, it's it could be lucrative. We do some other things too. You know, we're both licensed private investigators for the state of Georgia, so. Uh, we do private investigations work, and that's everything from your typical cheating spouses and surveillance and stuff to finding difficult to find people for state attorneys and also uh, process service. Um, that's a that's another uh, thing that we do. And again, we specialize. When I say we, it's my partner Alex Haynes and myself. Um, we specialize in finding people who are hiding or trying not to be served or have a reason to hide for all these attorneys. And, and that pays very well. Um, it's easy to serve process if it's like a courier job, but our folks tend to not want to get got. So uh, that's another part of our job that we do. Process serving is like sometimes you'll see those things in movies necessarily where someone comes up, asks somebody to identify themselves, and then hands them like a, a subpoena, right? Is that what that that's is? That's exactly it. That's exactly it. So – uh, process serving is any kind of court paperwork where people have to be handed original documents if it's time sensitive. Usually what what we do, I mean, we do it all. We did one last night for an estate. Someone from Michigan had to be served in Georgia. So we did that. We found her, went to the door. Here you go. And, and, and most people are very polite about it. It's not super adversarial all the time. But what we specialize in typically is uninsured motorists who crash into someone and are somehow being sued, and they don't want to be found. So we specialize in that. And you don't have to say you've been served or some kind of you know, movie line, but you just got to identify who they are and just say, hey, here's your paperwork. They say, no, I don't want it. And you're like, all right, that's cool. I'll just leave it here on the ground for you. And you just walk off. You, know, it's, you don't have to touch them physically with it. You can look at them through a window. You know, and if you could identify them, you know, you're okay. You just got to be able to sign an affidavit that we write afterwards and be ready to, to swear to it in court. So they, they don't have to say, like, are you John Smith? Yes, I am John Smith. It doesn't have to be like that. You can just say, like, I know what that I know I served him. Oh, absolutely. You just have to be able to verify that information in an affidavit afterwards. Like, he wouldn't admit to who he was, but I recognize the defendant from his Facebook picture. I recognize the defendant from his auto which was in the driveway that he had gotten out of, then the license plate is registered to him at that address. He is the leaseholder on that address. And I recognized him from his state-issued ID that I had a copy of. So you could, 
you just have to be able to prove it and back it up. There is some yeah. common there's some common sense to it necessarily. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But again, it's uh the hardest part of bounty hunting and of process serving is actually finding people. You know, the catching, the serving, that's pretty easy. But to in twenty twenty to be able to get within arm's reach of someone who doesn't want to be found is a difficult job. You know, so, you know, if I know you're in the, in the grocery store, if I know you're in a certain house, it's all over but the crying. I'm going to get you. But to get to that point, you know, to drive from Atlanta, Georgia to Detroit, Michigan and find you in your house, that's the difficult part. Like walk me through a process, right? Like so somebody has skipped and they've got a $100,000 bond. Like how would – where do you start and how do you ultimately finish? That – Okay, so what typically happens is a bondsman will get a notice from the court, certified letter that says, Joe Smith did not appear in court. We are keeping the $100,000 that you put up as surety to guarantee that he would come back. The bondsman usually makes a couple phone calls. They panic. You know, that's a lot of money. The bondsman makes a couple phone calls, you know, starts doing it, you know, calling the cosigner, calling the references, asking around. And that usually goes nowhere. Um, they don't have that skill set necessarily. And at that point, they will email it to my partner, Alex, and I. And they'll say, hey, man, the, we have until April 15th to find this person. Otherwise, we have to pay a hundred grand to the court. And so we take the file. First thing that happens is uh, my partner, Alex, will look at it, open it up. We have databases that are available only to licensed private investigators. That will give us background reports, credit checks, utility searches, new addresses, any kind of information that's not really available to the public. You know, everyone thinks they're sneaky because they could find someone on Facebook. But this is like the like about five layers past that. You know, we can find out your car vehicle registration, where it's, li- where it's registered at, your phone number. And then, of course, social media. That's a that's a, often a game changer for us. Uh, my partner, Alex, specializes in that stuff. And. You know, pretty soon we've got 18 tabs open on the computer and we're seeing someone who liked your photo that lives in a certain area that you might have liked back. And you have a utility search coming back, a new hit in, say, Birmingham. This girl who liked your photos is in Birmingham. We run her. We look at her pictures and we see that she's taking a picture in front of a certain house. We see an address coming back that looks like that off of a, a hot pads apartment listing, and that's how we find you. You know, and it could be a pretty involved process. My favorite way, though, is interviewing people. My partner Alex does the a lot of the computer database searches, all the skip tracing, and I tend to do more of the interviews. I'll go to people's houses. I'll go to your mom's house. I'll go to your former employer's house and say, "Hey, man, you know where where did Nick go? You know where's he at?" And, and try to get information that way. And that's my favorite way to catch folks is, is ultimately human intelligence. You could drive across the country based on a lot of data and come up empty-handed. There's, but there's nothing like someone's mom saying, I'm, I'm tired of his nonsense, and he sleeps here at night. And you go get him that way. But, you know, we get the information. We move on it. Hopefully get them. And then we turn them in. It's definitely from an outsider perspective. I have, like, just listening to you talk about it, I – I wonder, like, how can you not find them, and then how can you find them at exactly the same time? Like, it seems like a certainty and an impossibility at the same time. It, it is. It's it's so the minimum bonds can be just as difficult as 
a hundred thousand dollar bond. There's there's no rhyme or reason to how hard it's going to be. Our folks that we chase are typically off grid, not like a prepper style mountain man off grid, but the kind of folks who typically, if you're jumping bail, you typically don't own your home. You don't have a lease in your name. Your driver's license is probably expired or suspended. You don't have any kind of utilities in your name. You're not financing anything. You just kind of stay with people. You're you're with friends. You're staying on their couch. You might meet someone and stay with them, or even if you're homeless. So finding them is very hard. It's very hard. Um, some folks make it easy, though. Some folks are on their Snapchat saying, hey, everyone, look at me. I'm in the line at a Costco over here in Atlanta, <laughs> Georgia, and there's no toilet paper. I'm like, on my way. <laughs> you know, so some people will telegraph it and you roll up on them and it's that easy. But other folks uh, and they usually know the game. It's very rare that we get someone who hasn't done who hasn't been in the situation before. They know what to do to, to lay low. But, you know, like I said, that's why there's not that many of us that do this successfully is you've got to be able to grind through all that intel and sit up on a lot of houses and drive and work late and work early to get up on these folks and, and catch them slipping. What would be your success rate? Are we talking like 60%, 80% or? I would say success of us from the time we get the file in our hand to closing that case is over 90%. Really? Wow. Yeah, over 90%. And that does include, uh, we do things called affidavits of location. So if the bond is, say, some nonviolent charge of, Suspended license, possession of weed, something ridiculous. It's only like a $3,000 bond. And we find you in Seattle. It's not worth our time or the state of Georgia's money to extradite you back. So we write an affidavit that says, hey, uh, you know, we found this guy, Nick. He's in Seattle and we want to pick him up. Would you upgrade his uh, extradition status so we could justify getting him and then you'll have to pay for him to come back to Georgia. And the court says, nah, man, on weed, nah, it's all right, forget it. And we come off that way on a technicality. So we close cases that way. We don't put hands on every single person that we close. And a good number of our folks do get caught by the police after we get the file because the cops are looking for them at the same time that we are. Um, and a lot of our defendants just can't stay out of jail. You get a file on Monday, and you're like, okay, let's start working him on Wednesday. We run, bring his name up, and he's already been picked up. It just happens. Our folks are, are there's a lot of recidivism in, in, in there in this in this population. So the first thing we usually do as well is, is check jails because they'll they'll get picked up. Is that and then what happens? Do you still get the money or is that? Yeah, we do. Uh, oh, we really? do what's called a proof of incarceration, and because the bondsman didn't find them, we did. Um, and and we work it out with certain bondsmen. We have different rates. You know, we have relationships with bondsmen, but we usually get paid about the same amount. Unless it's some extraordinarily amount, you know, it's a hundred thousand dollar bond. He's not going to give us ten thousand for finding him in jail, but we work it out with him. So then, when when you go out looking for somebody, like, are you armed or what? Oh, for sure. That's right. Um, it's it's one of the requirements in the state of Georgia is that you have to have your carry permit. Um, typically, yeah, it's you wear full gear. I mean, there's pistols. You wear, you know, you I wear a full duty belt with handcuffs, pistol pepper spray, spare magazines, and body armor because you're going into someone's house and you're going to take them against their will and put them in jail. So, yeah, there are firearms a lot involved. Now, every state 
has different weird rules about that, and we have to act accordingly. You know, we were up in New York City a couple years ago, and we grabbed a very large, you know, a big money bond up there. We caught her, but we couldn't use any kind of any kind of weapons. No guns, no pepper spray, no tasers, nothing. I end up just like bear hugging this girl and we put her in jail. So it's, you got to be able to work with each jurisdiction's little rules here and there. You're not, you're not going to pick somebody up by yourself, right? Like you've got other people around. It's just us. It's just my partner, Alex and I, Alex is uh, female. She's five foot four and 110 pounds. I'm six, two, about 190. And we do it all ourselves. And when we go to a house, she goes to the back door to make sure no one runs out the back, just kind of keep an eye on it. And it's just me. I go to the door. I go, I clear the house by myself. And, you know, we call in. We let the local authorities know that we're working in the area. And that's one of our hard, fast rules is to let people know what we're up to so that if you see me in someone's yard, you're not going to call the cops in a panic and the cops are going to show up. They know we're there. They know we're working. But it's just us. You know, we work with the cops once in a while. But far and away, it's it's just always my partner and myself. Are you an intimidating guy? Would people like naturally be like, "Ooh, <laughs> I don't know say about that," but I don't think so. I mean, I guess you know, I'm pretty trained up. I'm re- I'm retired military. I've done some cool stuff in my life. I train a lot. We work out every day. I shoot competitively three, four times a month. Uh, I'm, I'm not a necessarily a big guy, but I'm big enough, I guess. Um, like, like I said, six, two, almost 200 pounds, I guess that's big enough. And I, but I, you know, what happens is, like I guess I alluded to earlier, I worked in the mental health field after I got out of the military, I went to college and I graduated with a, a, a teaching credential and I was working in special ed, but I eventually migrated over to, uh, adult mental, uh, psychiatric health. And I worked that job for a long time before I ever did anything going back into the realm of high-speed cool guy stuff. And the way I treat these cases is more like a mental health intervention than it is of like a, hey, you know, I'm going to tackle you and throw you in jail. We've had about 450 physical arrests, and I've only had to fight eight, nine people. That's it. I just I go in with a different approach. It's not like I have to be super intimidating. I go in there and people are expecting the worst. But I'm just like, hey, man, we got business to handle. And it's, it's disarming to them. This guy's going to be cool with me. This dude looks like he could obviously handle his business, but I'm going to be cool with him. I'm going to give them some agency over it. I'm going to say, hey, what can I do to make this easier? Do you have your phone numbers written down? Do you have, you know, do you have a wallet? Do you have any money? Do you have your ID? Who do we got to call to let them know? Is there a child care situation involved that we have to handle? And because of that, the folks don't want to fight me. And I could just talk them into the car. And we don't have to fight. I don't have to tussle with them in the back seat. And it's also one of the reasons we get a lot of work from bondsmen is they know I'm not just going to be kicking doors and smashing stuff. They know I'm going to be handling my business and, and, and not giving them exposure of some knucklehead running wild. I can understand that. It's more like... Look, I, I got you. Let's, I got you. Let's, let's just do this kind of approach. That's exactly right. There's no need to make it worse. It's already bad. It's already bad. These folks are going to jail and they're going to sit because once you fail to appear, most judges don't like that. The judge is going to say, okay, you didn't come to court when I asked you to last time. How about an extra month? Or you're running because you have a warrant in another jurisdiction or you have a probation violation or even a parole violation. You're going to sit. You're going to be sitting. I get it, man. It's bad. There's no way to candy coat it. It's never a good time to go to jail. 
but it's got to happen. And you learn those triggers when you're interviewing folks, when you're talking to them. You come to find out what it is that they're afraid of. You're a defendant, and he's nervous, and, and you're on the edge. You're face-to-face with this guy. He's not in handcuffs yet. And they start going on about their family. You could talk about their family. They start talking about the money situation. You talk about the money or their family. You don't embarrass them. You don't paint them into a corner. You give them some agency, some domain over their situation. And pretty soon you're like, hey, man, we're in this together. This has got to happen. I'm going to help you with this. I mean, it's faded. They're getting in the car. They're getting in the car. Like I said, some guys, like eight, nine of them, I've had to fight. But most of them, they're reasonable people. After you give them the ability to reason with you, then it's all good. Are are most of the people that you go after, are we talking hardened criminals or are we talking – People who did something stupid or fell on hard times or just got in over their head. Like, what, what's the general? Everything all over the spectrum. I mean, cartel members, you know, from guys who are parolees running on armed robbery charges or aggravated assault, battery, family violence, all the way to half ounce of weed and didn't use a turn signal. Everything across the, uh, every, everything you could imagine. But you know, from drug possession and a lot of charges that stem from being addicted to drugs, uh, stealing, theft by taking, theft by conversion, breaking and entering, things like that because people are trying to feed a habit. So a lot of that. Uh, but the one thing that kind of goes, I would say, pretty broadly against the, the spectrum of our defendants is a chronic irresponsibility to handle your business. You know, By the time I'm in your life, the bonding company's called you a hundred times. The courts have called you. All your relatives have called you and said, hey, they're looking for you. So the inability to kind of function like most folks do is the common thread that runs with throughout my folks. They are uh, just the ultimate example of a little thing becoming a big thing. A phone call probably would have got me out of your life six months ago. But now here we are. From being a reporter and covering a lot of things, that's kind of like what I always noticed about the criminal justice system is it moves slow until it doesn't. And then it really – like now you're in jail. Now you're in that's some shit. Ex- that's exactly right. It's a very slow process until the hammer comes down. You know, Ultimately, I tell people when I get them on the phone, when we're looking for them, I say, hey, man, this judge does not want to put you in jail. It's not the goal of the state of Georgia to keep you behind bars for theft by shoplifting and possession of methamphetamine. They don't want to put you behind bars. They want to get this behind them, get you some help. There's options for you. Let me help you with this. But the fear of a rehab, the fear of just the whole process keeps people out and it moves very slowly and very slowly. But then eventually here I am and you're in jail. And it, it's a shame. It's a shame. I, I mean, it keeps me in business. You know, I can't complain about it too much. But most of my folks, they don't need to be in jail. They just need to handle their business and, and square their lives away. But it's a, a foolish consistency that keeps them at that station. And they just keep doing the same thing over and over. And they're getting the, 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 the ugly end of the justice system every time. Have you ever heard of a bounty hunter kind of catching somebody and just feeling so bad they let him go it's like a wives tale you hear that thing yeah. where i felt so bad I'd, but no i haven't because it's it's a contingency paced job right 
you know, it, you'd be like, hey, man, I feel badly for you. I'm going to give up my $800 commission just to let you go. Um, there's it, it wouldn't happen. Now, I will say myself on a very small bond, he was a family guy, just got a job. I caught him in his house and he's like, hey, I'm going to go to court in the morning and reset this. It was a misdemeanor. It was like a small court case. The option to just go reset his case was there. He just got a new job, just got a new place. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to let you go tonight and tomorrow morning, go reset your case. And, uh, you know, sure as anything, it bit me on the ass. He took off from Massachusetts the next morning. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. It was so dumb. I felt like the biggest dummy ever. I mean, I caught him. I got him back. Uh, He came back to Georgia. I leveraged some people and he got back. But, you know, that's the only time I could think of it. And I would never do it again. I would never do it again. You know, it's like that expression. This is why we can't have nice things. Yeah. One yeah. dude has gone and ruined it for everyone. <laughs> I'm like, dude, come on. He's like, oh man, it wasn't that big a bond. And I've worked with enough bondsmen. I told the guy, I told, I called the bondsman from the field. I said, listen, I think this guy's going to handle his business. He's like, Hey man, you've been doing this a long time. You know what's up. And sure as anything, the guy bolted, but I made it right. But I was, I was, I'll never forget it. <laughs> Just like, God dang it, dude. The one time. Exactly. The one You're time. My faith in humanity right there. <laughs> Are you ready for the harder slash listener submitted questions? Absolutely. Biggest bond you've ever gotten? Um, $110,000. You got the 110 or the whole bond was 110? The whole 10 was 110. Now, wow. the, the most we've ever gotten is about 10% of that at wow. one time as a payday. Do you longest you've ever looked for somebody? Oh my goodness. Almost a year, almost a year, like ongoing with court extensions. I'd say eight months, eight, nine months. And that's having to go to court every couple, three months and telling the judge that, um, Hey, you know, we're close. We're close. We're close on this guy. And the judge just a, a favorable district attorney saying, okay, we're going to give you another 60 days on this. And then finally, pulling a trigger successfully, I'd say eight, nine months. Situation where you questioned if you should be doing this, like, wow, this is getting dangerous. Absolutely. Absolutely. This last summer, we had a guy in his house. I was in there and he had barricaded himself in his bathroom. And I was walking down the hallway and I'll go just about anywhere. I mean, I crawl in attics, under crawl spaces, sheds, whatever I'll, I'll, you have to, I'll go anywhere. But I walked down the hallway and as I put my hand on the doorknob to the bedroom door, it was closed. The TV was playing inside and I knew he was in the bathroom. I put my hand, on the doorknob. I thought, you know what? This is bad. This is bad. I backed back out of it. We called PD. We gave them their name and they're like, Oh yeah, we want him too. And a ton of cops came out we end up going in there and sure as anything, he's barricaded with five guns in the bathroom and uh, got him out. But the, the task force was there because he had meth dealer stuff. And anyway, yeah, that, that's about the only time, though. But that was definitely one of those, you know, gut feelings that really paid off of like, I got to back up out of this thing. Have you ever had one of those gut feelings and then just, you know what, but I'm but I'm going forward. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I. It, it, you just have to. No one's coming to help. You know, it's usually myself and my partner. And you're like this. You, not a gut feeling of run away, but a gut feeling of okay, this is on the far end of safety slash kind of 
insanity of okay, going up into an attic after a, a, a grown man, a guy who's willing to hide in an attic, going up their head first through a crawl space. You're like, this is so dumb, but you just do it anyway. You do it anyway because that's what you do. That's how you get paid. That's how you make your money. And it's your reputation. It's your craft on the line. You got to do it. Do you do you like the thrill of that, or is that like necessary um, part? As I've gotten older, it's not. It's it's. There's certainly a thrill to it, you know. And and I'm no house mouse. I couldn't do a, a, a nine to five desk type job. I this is kind of my thing. But uh, I don't like the unnecessary exposure it puts myself and my partner into of okay this is gonna be wild and dangerous this is gonna be awesome it's more i I love it when i walk up and i say hey you know nick let's go to jail you're like okay i got this behind me we go and i buy you mcdonald's on the way in and we laugh and shake hands at the jail that's the ideal Uh, you don't get paid extra for the dangerous stuff you don't get paid extra for fighting if anything it's frowned upon because of the liability you're opening yourself up to and getting hurt or hurting the defendant um it's certainly can be thrilling for sure you know a good foot chase a successful foot chase it's thrilling but i mean it's the kind of thrill i'm kind of over and don't need my life anymore um best show or movie about a bounty hunter worst show or movie about a bounty hunter oh my goodness um my favorite movie that involves any kind of bounty hunting is jackie brown the uh the the tarantino movie you know, it's, it's, it's about bail bonding ultimately. And I love it. Um, the worst thing about the worst movie about bounty hunting, I would say, oh my gosh, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to the TV series, series that everyone knows. And that's dog, the bounty hunter. And I, I like Dwayne. I've met Dwayne. He's a super nice guy. And I, I, we met Beth while she was still alive, but the bad news about the show is it, it presents it as like, there's like a lot of screaming and dynamic every time tackling folks and stuff. And um, to me, that's not how I operate. So I think I see it as a negative against how I operate. The good news is when I'm in people's houses, they always reference that show. They're like, you're like dog. I'm like, yeah, kind of. So they know what's going on. You know, he's kind of my, he's kind of the, the icebreaker for why I'm in someone's house. They're like, you like that dude. I'm like, yeah, it's like that. So, this is what's happening. But as a representation of how I handle my business, it's like kind of the complete opposite. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a Tarantino guy and I, and I love Jackie Brown and I love how bail bonding is kind of represented in that in that movie. What's the dumbest way you've ever caught somebody? This is something like, man, this person was an idiot. Oh, my gosh. Um, my favorite is catfishing people where like my partner, Alex, is a. Uh, five foot four 105 pound beautiful woman and she'll get on snapchat and she'll find these defendants on dating sites or or on stuff and a guy will have a felony warrant big bond and running like hiding for his life and a cute girl gets on there and goes hey saw your photo you look cute and these guys will come out that's my favorite way it's the best that's so smart man they're like they could be looking at real jail time but they will stick their necks out there because they think there's a chance there's a chance they're going to get with some girl and i love it that's my favorite way i'm like you dummy (laughs) they show up for their date and there i am i'm like there you go dude (laughs) (laughs) what do they say are they like god dang it (laughs) yeah that or they don't even realize it i've had guys in the car 
I'm taking them to jail. And they're like, man, this sucks. I had this girl coming over to my house too. This is bad. I, I can't believe this. You ruined my date, man. This girl was totally into me. I'm like, yeah, that's a bummer guy. <laughs> Funny thing. I knocked on your door the exact same time she said she was going to, and they can't put it together, but I play along with it. I don't ever give up my game. I'm like, yeah, oh, I'm sorry, man. Well, Keep her number when you get out. You can hook up with her. He's like, yeah, yeah. She was really cute. I'm like, oh, that's a bummer, man. <laughs> it's, it's, it's guys, man. It, you know, trying to hook up with a girl is undefeated through time. Okay. You know, you could just if, as long as this, if you could put that out there, those guys will bite. That's really all the questions that I that I have. Is there anything that you think that we missed? What's what's kind of coming up for you? I know you got a podcast out yeah well yeah we have a podcast it's uh called uh wanted it's on uh, wanted podcast it's on itunes spotify stitcher podbean cast all those ones and it's fun it's a, it's a lot of fun it's it's bounty hunting case studies uh about certain files from start to finish how we get a file how we found people and how we arrested them I want to thank John so much for joining us. If you want to connect with him, we have linked to him on our social media sites. We're profoundly pointless on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. He's got a really cool podcast. It's a really good podcast. And you guys, you know if you've listened to this for a while, we don't really recommend a lot of things. But his podcast, The Wanted Podcast, it's really cool just to listen to how they go through and they find these people. The way that they do it is just amazing. Okay. Now let's go ahead and give John Shaw a call. When you get dressed, do you put on your pants first or your shirt first? Uh, shirt first. Why? This is embarrassing, but I'm going to say with pride and dignity that I am, I am a, uh, I don't know what the word is. I, I'm a shirt tucker in her. Really? How old are you for the people? Tell the people so they know from a frame of reference <laughs> that you're not like 65 years old yet. I am not. I will be 33 this year. Are you the youngest shirt tucker inner that you know? I, I, I would think. I mean, I, I, I'm i so bad that I'll even say I'll get out of the shower and I'm just putting on a shirt and shorts and I'll tuck the shirt into the shorts. What? Like gym shorts? You're going to tuck your shirt into gym shorts? Sure. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. Gym shorts. I mean, even, <laughs> oh man, this is really bad. And like, first off, I want you to visualize, like, I'm a pair pretty much. Like, so as you know, I mean, I got a, I got a big upper body and I'm not wearing like double XL t-shirts. Like I'm wearing like large and extra large t-shirts. Yeah. You, you wear shirts that are too small for you. Yeah. That's. <laughs> I'm not giving up hope here, but either way, so like, someday I mean, I'll fit. Someday I'm gonna fit. <laughs> so I mean, it's it's not the kind of like tucking in that looks good at all. It's the kind of tucking in that I'm sure people at at my office are like, does he realize that he's wearing a shirt that's probably two times too small for him, and he tucks it in? Well, what a loser! Yeah, I mean, every time I've seen you with clothes on. Not that I've seen you with clothes off, but <laughs> Whoa, if, hey now. <laughs> that you know about. I mean, granted, I hang outside your window, but that's my business and leave me alone. But Social distancing, all right? You can stay outside. But every time I've seen you, like, why does you, clothes just don't fit you well? Like, you just have a bad body type for clothing in general. 
<laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I guess. Either that, well, it doesn't help that I have, like, absolutely zero fashion sense. No. I mean, I, no. I, I, I'm surprised I even can dress myself. Look, I don't, but do you put, have you always t- put the shirt on first? Or did you kind of evolve into that situation by thinking like, oh, you know what? I used to put my pants on, but since I'm going to tuck my shirt in, I should just put my shirt on first and that'll be easier. Like, did you evolve into this situation or did it always happen that way? So I actually have a theory on this that I'm sure you'll put down right away. But I think it's the bigger you are, you always put the shirt on first. Really? So if you're a bigger person, you're more embarrassed about what's up top than what's below yeah for sure i I feel like we need to do a poll on this i don't know how to sensitively do it It says like (laughs) hey if you're a large gentleman do you put your shirt on first that's interesting yeah wow interesting i just i mean listen you're you're talking to a guy who's been you know husky most of his entire life if not all of his life I think I represent the husky population, a.k.a. overweight population, and saying that I think that has a lot to do with why, like, I put my shirt on first. Because the pants are the pants, right? Like, you know, my legs, my butt, you know, my 12-inch dong. Like, it, I'm not worried about that. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> that was I the really best. wasn't going to laugh until I heard you just dying on that the, was the, the best. That was the best way you've ever thrown. I have no criticism of that, whatever. That was the most seamless transition into a penis joke I've ever heard. <laughs> it, it, it is what it is. I mean, people, you know. Look, the only better penis joke than that is your actual penis. <laughs> I mean, we we talk about penises a lot on this show. I don't know if you realize that. But um, that's what life ultimately gets down to, right? Life is ultimately run by the thing in the middle of your legs, whether that be the female component or the male component. That's all that life basically revolves around. Uh, what's, what's, <laughs> like, what, what do you got? Let's hear it. So let's, uh, let's give some shout outs. Let's, let's, let's do some things. The social distancing has, uh, caused a lot of people to interact and stay in their homes for the most part and give us some love. So, uh, Let's uh, let's give a little love back. We'll start wow. with uh, Barbara, nice Jonathan. <laughs> what did you say? What were you doing? Were you like in the middle of looking at something on TV and you <laughs> got distracted? What no, my my iPad. I I had to unlock it, so I was oh, trying to got, like drag it out. <laughs> you got you got an iPad now, fancy pants, huh? Oh, you didn't tell everyone that uh, Long John Silver's outfitted us with iPads and. Uh, and uh, blue and yellow T-shirts. By I, do we have why? Why are they blue and yellow? Because that's Long John Silver's colors, aren't they? It's just testing you. Is, I don't know. <laughs> are, is that long? I feel like that's Best Buy. No, Best Buy. Well, it is. It is Best Buy too. Let's see here. Hold on one second. No, we'll you just go ahead because if you try to look it up, it's going to be thirty-five minutes after you close all your internet porn tabs, so you can get to it. Regardless, uh, oh man, here's a Long John Silver's mixed in with a Taco Bell. That sounds terrible. How fucking dare you? That sounds amazing. Are you ready? <laughs> oh, God, this is taking forever. 
I, I've been ready. I started and you stopped me. Oh, it is let's, blue and yellow. Let's let's reset. So here's some shout outs for those that uh, follow us. Appreciate everything. And here we go. Uh, we'll start with Barbara, Jonathan, great name, uh, Stephen, Graham, Asher, Jamal, Aaron, another Barbara, this time Sanchez, uh, Richard, Amaya, uh, Lee, Sub-Zero. That's pretty badass. I believe her name's actually Lily, but I think I got it messed up and put Sub-Zero instead. Um, another Lily. And then uh, The Hauntings. The Hauntings TV follows us, apparently, and uh, haven't seen any of their stuff, but I'm sure it's fantastic. Um, what? What? All right. <laughs> what? what? Why are you gasping? Why are you complimenting them and then insulting them? Like, oh, they fall. I haven't seen their stuff. Why can you well, just leave you know, it alone? You just got to learn to just, like, drop it. Because I can't, because I'm, I'm your friend, all right? I'm just taking from what I've learned from you. Okay. You build people up, and then you crush them. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much, yeah. Yeah, that would be on my tombstone, actually. I built people up and then crushed them. Yeah, that's about right. Okay. All right, so uh, here we go. I uh, Say you run out of toilet paper, which apparently is like gold now because of the coronavirus outbreak, or pandemic, rather. Uh, what are you going to wipe your butt with? Paper towel or Kleenex? Kleenex. Yeah, I don't, okay. I don't see what, I mean, the only concern I would have with going with Kleenex is I think it might stop up the toilet a little bit more. Like, I don't want a big plumber bill. If I'm, here's, here's what I would do. If I'm faced with a choice between a big plumber bill and using my own hand, I'm gonna go with my own hand. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that's, the, now that should be a, a poll question. If you have nothing to wipe your butt with, will you use your hand? Yeah. You just got. It's better than just walking around. I, I'm going to say this right now. I've wiped my ass with my own hand. I was out. I was out on a trail out in the middle of the wilderness, and I got hit with some, and I, it had to be done. I first I tried to use a leaf, but then I didn't want to use like the wrong kind of leaf. So then I literally used like a rock to get some of it, and then I went hand and bought and water, like pour the water down and hand and. You gotta do. You gotta do what you gotta do. And quite I mean, frankly, are you shitting? Are you shitting like people, like a fucking rock? No, dude. I used a rock to wipe. That's what I mean. Like, what? Are you got a boulder back there. You're just like. You know what rocks? Away? You know rocks come in different sizes, right? Right. I, I guess I'm. I'm picturing a a decent sized rock. I suppose. I didn't pick up like a forty pound rock. Just a little <laughs> rock. I just envision me. I'm just envisioning you like walking up to this boulder, pulling down your pants, just rubbing your ass on the rock. No, dude, you pick up a little rock. Haven't you ever seen Demolition Man? They use three seashells. Oh my god! I I have. I don't remember that part probably because it was a forgettable movie. <sighs> no movie with Wesley Snipes is a forgettable movie. <laughs> You're right. Blade is one of the greatest comic book characters ever. You're absolutely correct. Wow. Hey, let's move, let's go on to the next one to hear what else you're going <laughs> to say that's stupid. <laughs> See, you just you build me up just to just to just to bring me down. Um, in a car, would you rather be the passenger or the driver? Probably the driver. I don't really like the passenger. What are you going to do? Unless you can just sleep. I don't. Want, I'd, I'd rather be driving. Right. Yeah, I, I can. I, I probably can count or count on two hands 
the number of times I've let my wife drive a vehicle while I've been in it. Like, I, I do not like to be the passenger at all. I'm, I, I am done. Let's let's move on to our hard-hitting top five this week. Okay, so our top five for this week is top five vegetables. What's your number five? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, my, my number five is pea. The pea. You're really a pea? Like a sweet pea? Like peas yeah, in a like, can? Like, yes, like sweet peas specifically. What whatever good has come out of that? Nobody just sits down there with a plate of peas and like, mm, let's get some peas in me. Well, I, I feel like peas are, are very universal. You can put them in a lot of things. They're also very good just by themselves. I don't know what you were just saying. When's the last time you just had peas by themselves? Probably within the last three or four months, I think. Really? Store-bought or yeah. did you get them out of a can? How'd you get them? How'd you get them? Uh, they were frozen. So I guess store bought. Okay, what'd you eat them with? Put a little pepper on them. Put a little butter on them. They're good. I don't know. Wow, really? That's weird. Uh, my number five is broccoli. Okay, I mean, I, I think that is a. I think that's a little low for broccoli, but I, I appreciate you putting it on there. You think broccoli should be higher up? I do. Yes, I, I have it on my list. Uh, higher. Okay. What's your number four then? Is it broccoli? And you could have just said it right then and gotten rid of all the buildup? No. So my my number four, and I think you're going to have a big issue with this, maybe not, is uh, the pumpkin. What? Pumpkin? What the? Yep. Why? Just because of pumpkin pie? Because of pumpkin well, spice lattes? So you so can line up at Starbucks for six hours? So when I was compiling my list, I probably put too much time into this. But pumpkins are are used universally. They might be one of the most used like vegetables that no one knows about. I mean, oh. think about Halloween. Okay. Think about all the th- th- think about uh, you know, pumpkin seeds, the delicious things that, you know, we eat those year round. Think about pumpkin pie. It's used for so many different things. Look, I'm not going to debate about whether it's used for a lot of different things, but it just doesn't rise to the level of an everyday vegetable. You've got it a couple of times a year that somebody's going to go out and get pumpkins for the porch. Then you've got pumpkin pie a couple of times a year, traditionally on Thanksgiving. Maybe you're going to go with it on Christmas. And other than that, I mean, it's a twice a year vegetable. It doesn't have it doesn't have what it takes to be in the top five of vegetables. It just doesn't. It's 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 it, it stands alone and it stands in my top five. Well, it's wrong. My What's number, your four, number four. My number four is lettuce. Okay, uh, lettuce is good. I I left lettuce off, but uh, it's definitely on the honorable mention for sure. I don't see how you can possibly lose use leave lettuce off and then say. That you're going to put pumpkin on there because it's universal. Lettuce well, is far I mean, more I, universal I, I think than pumpkin. It comes from two different viewpoints. You obviously eat a lot of salad. You weigh ninety pounds. I do not eat a lot of salad. You're obviously eating a lot of pumpkin pie. <laughs> exactly. Now we're getting somewhere. First thing I do is I put my shirt on. I tuck it into my gym shorts and I get me some pumpkin pie. Exactly. Now go fuck yourself. Um, my number three. I I uh, have two. Thai, um, sweet potatoes and broccoli. Hmm. I think that's sweet potatoes. I could see at number three, right? Sweet potatoes. I could see at three. 
Broccoli. Okay. I mean, I guess you really like broccoli. I mean, once again, broccoli is like peas to me. You can do a bunch of different things with it. You can eat it on its own. It's 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 fantastic, and it's quite nutritious. My number three is corn. Okay, uh, that's I I have corn on the list. Um, so I guess we'll talk about it when I get to it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> That was about as terrible as I could have ever got it. Um, uh, okay, so what's your number, number two? two is onions. I guess so. I love onions. But you can't. You know what? I feel like I was a little too harsh on you right there. I think yeah, I you still call me a fucking idiot because I named a vegetable that everyone uses almost every other day, if not every day. I just don't think that like you're skipping over so many vegetables to get to onion. You can't eat an onion in and of itself, right? Have you ever just eaten an onion out there? Yes, I enjoy it, actually. Have you really have eaten an onion? I, I don't know what I have to do to tell you yes. I mean, I, I like onions. I like the taste of onions. S- tell me a blooming onion ain't a great fucking onion. I'm not going to tell you that. <laughs> All right, let's not be ridiculous here. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the best vegetable dish ever, a blooming onion. Yeah, no, I would agree with you. I think that's probably um you can get some cheesy broccoli that's pretty good. But bloomin' onion is probably the best vegetable disc dish. I mean you know, another thing I left off is Brussels sprouts, which Brussels sprout dishes are just as good. Now you're now as- you're going. You're just you know what? I felt really bad, like I owed you an apology for calling you a fucking idiot, and now you brought Brussels sprouts back into it. And I kind of, I still feel bad, but I'm not going to apologize for it. That's fine. What, what, what's your number two? Tomato. Okay. See, so I'll just get to it. My number one is split as well, and I have tomatoes and corn as my number one. See, okay. Tomato, I can understand. I, I see the tomato. That's a good argument for it. Right, but I don't think it's number one material. I don't see how you beat a potato as number one. So, potatoes aren't aren't I sweet. I like I prefer sweet potatoes over potatoes. So, and by the way, anyone who says potato deserves to be hit by a car. Just throwing it out there. It's potato. So, with that, uh, you know, I understand the potato is number one. Completely get it, but you know, I that's all preference, right? And I don't, I'm not a big fan of just regular Idaho potatoes because I'm from Kansas and I love potatoes and corn and strippers. <laughs> You've had a bunch today that usually I'm not speechless, but there's so many things <laughs> that you've done that I just don't know how to feel about. Like, I'm, I want to be mad at you for a second and then I respect it. And then I'm mad at you. And then I respect it. And I don't know how to feel. I just think that I don't see how you can, how you can not put potatoes at number one. I mean, you've got tater tots, you've got baked potatoes, you've got french fries. There's just too many options with the potato. And even though I would agree with you that the sweet potato is the better variety of potato, I would still put potato up there. You can tell me you don't like french fries and tater tots. But see, I, I, if I, if I'm choosing between sweet potato fries and sweet potato, uh, tater tots or regular potato? I'm going sweet potato. Yeah, dude. Everybody, everybody is. But overall, yeah, so you that's still why can't I didn't put dis- potato on the list. But sometimes not everybody has sweet potato fries, and you've got to get regular fries, and you're still not like, oh man. Well, that's why 66 percent of America puts on their shirts. 
before they put on their, their pants in the morning. What do you have in your honorable mention? <laughs> Got him. Got him. Uh, so it really hurt me to leave off bell peppers. Oh, that is a vegetable, isn't it? Yeah, but I left them off. Uh, I also have on there asparagus. Um, I feel like you're a. I feel like you're a fancy vegetable guy. Like, are you a vegetable snob? No, I mean I eat most of my vegetables out of a Del Monte can. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a snob, but I mean, if I'm making dinner, like uh, you know, and I have time to prepare something, yes, I'll make like. Some nice asparagus or maybe some acorn squash, you know, something like that. Oh my gosh. Squash is a waste of time. That's just like, it's just disappointing that it's not a sweet potato. That's just a waste. Um, I mean, the, the only other, the two other things I have, uh, cucumbers and, uh, mushrooms. Yeah, mushrooms to me are something that I'm always, I think about it. Cucumbers are up there. Mushrooms just don't cut it. I'm always like, eh. Peppers in the same place. I could really care less. Peas. Gross. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, th- this is actually a very good top five because you and I were similar but not that similar. I mean, it's not like, you know, we had zucchinis on there. No, zucchinis disgusting. Carrot carrot could make a good, a good run. Like, I like a good carrot. Mm, yeah, see, I'm, not, I'm not a big carrot guy. You ever had those weird carrots? Like, give me the regular carrots. I don't want purple and red carrots. Yeah, I'm not a hipster. I don't eat that shit. Um, Tell me it's different. It's a fucking carrot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I green beans, I think, if I'm thinking, like, I those are really good if they're done right. You know, I, I don't know. It's, yeah, we seem to have lost interest in this. Oh, I'm just going to go ahead and... Okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. Got a lot of cool stuff coming up. I feel like I say that a lot. But, I mean, it makes sense if you think about it, right? Like, I'm not like John. I'm not going to be like, hey, this is going to be stupid and nobody should listen. Like, no, we actually try. Like, I try to do a good job. Like, if I think it's dumb... I'm not just going to put it on there. It may end up being dumb, but I mean, I don't know that at the time. 